This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. For a long time, I shared last week, I was raised in a hyper-charismatic Pentecostal uh, upbringing. Right? I was raised in the hooting and hollering and shouting and slaying in the spirit and speaking in tongues and the whole, every, everything short of the snakes, that's the sort of thing that I was raised in. That was the sort of, uh, you know, l- the lane of Christianity that I was raised in. And so there for a long time, I believed that the Holy Spirit showed up at Pentecost. And now some of you are like, Pentecost, I don't even know what that is. It's like the root for Pentecostal, which is like a whole vein of, of Christianity. But Pentecost was when, after Jesus had died and risen and then ascended into heaven, all the, the, the church leaders and all these people got together and they were like, it was kind of like this oh crap moment, like, oh crap, what do we do next, right? And so they go up into this like balcony type area that they call the upper room. They go up in the upper room and they're seeking God, saying, God, what do we do next? What do we do next? Jesus is taken off. What do we do next? And so then God sends an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. These people in, in, in encounter the Holy Spirit. And so they walk out of this, this room speaking in all these foreign languages because there's a bunch of foreign people around. And so there's like people over here and someone walks out speaking the gospel in that language and someone walks out speaking the gospel in that language and in that language and in that language. And so the Holy Spirit falls and and is essentially telling the church, listen, go into all the world and teach the gospel. I will empower you to take the message of Jesus anywhere and everywhere that you go. And so this was sort of like the Pentecost thing that took place. I thought for a long time in my Pentecostal upbringing that that was the origins of the Holy Spirit and human sort of interaction. But that's when the Holy Spirit came on the scene, after Jesus, right? It was like God the Father had the whole Old Testament, and then Jesus took up the first part of the New Testament, and then the Holy Spirit takes the last part and moving forward, right? That was sort of where my brain was. It was all compartmentalized. But after last week, laying the foundation that the Holy Spirit is fully God, and that the Holy Spirit is everything that God is, God is eternal, always was is and always will be, meaning the Holy Spirit was present and active before Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was present and active before that touchdown with humanity in Acts chapter 2 that we read about in the New Testament. Before all of our New Testament findings, the Holy Spirit was present and active with humanity. It was just different. It was different than the way it is in the New Testament, which is different than the way that it is now. The function and the relationship has changed and grown and developed. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit is revealed in the Old Testament in three main attributes. There's three main things that we can take away from the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the interaction that we see through Scripture. I I believe that we see that the Holy Spirit was selective, the Holy Spirit was temporary, and the Holy Spirit was task-oriented. There are kind of three main guiding thoughts of this is how the Holy Spirit interacted with humanity. Is this the way the Holy Spirit interacts with us now? No, I believe it's a little bit different. Can the Holy Spirit act this way with us now? Yes, I think so. But it's very prevalent in the Old Testament that this is the function in which the Holy Spirit presented itself. And so I want to pray together with you for a minute, and then I want to look at this idea of having the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the way that it interacted, and hopefully we can take something away from that this morning. So let's pray together, and then we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for today. 
Thank you for this past week and what you've done in the lives of the children that were involved in, in our drama teams and our creative teams and all of that. Thank you for the parents and the families that sacrificed to make it possible for these kids to experience this. Thank you for this church body who are feeding into the next generation. It's just so encouraging and, 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 and exciting to be part of a faith community that cares so much about their young people. God, I pray today that as we open your word, that we would yield to your Holy Spirit. I pray that as we open your word, that it would speak truth to us, and that we would take that truth and we would let it to plant seeds inside of us that will bear fruit in our lives. God, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. So I'm going to be in the Old Testament, obviously, today, because we're talking about Old Testament uh, Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Numbers. I'm going to be in Numbers, and then I'm also going to be in 1 Samuel, but I'm going to move kind of quick. So if you want to follow along, cool. The, the words will be up on the screen as well. If you just want to jot them down, look them up later, that's fine too. But we're going to pick up in Numbers chapter 11, talking about how the Holy Spirit is selective in the Old Testament. So we're going to pick up with this guy named Moses. How many of you guys have heard of a dude named Moses, right? Let my people go, right, to Pharaoh. You've, how many of you have at least seen the movie around Easter time, Christmas time, and all that? Okay, so it's about the same amount of people who have heard of Moses. Okay, I should be concerned. Uh, Moses was this guy, and he led the people of Israel, the Hebrews, out of captivity in Egypt. Now are you guys starting, is it starting to ring a bell? Oh, that guy, yeah, I know that guy. So Moses was leading the people out of captivity to Egypt, right? It's the plagues. He's already met before Pharaoh. He's already done all this stuff. And he's led these people out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and now they're in the wilderness looking for the promised land. Some scholars estimate that this was between 1 million and 3 million people that Moses was, was trying to move along and caravan out of here and get them into safety. Think about that. That's like a whole city, and you're just, they're all on foot, on donkey, on camel, whatever, moving out, trying to find the promised land. And so when we pick up in chapter 11, things are not going so well for Moses at this point, right? Because the families are exhausted. They're tired. They're worn out. This is post like manna from heaven. This is after God has already sent manna down and said, look, I'm going to take care of you. This is after they've already walked across the parted waters on dry land. This is after they've already experienced all the miracles and all the plagues and all the things. So they know that God is work at work. They know that massive major things are going on. And in Numbers chapter 11, we find them complaining, all the people are like really pissed off because this is like poor conditions. And they're like, oh, this sucks. This is horrible. I'd rather be back in Egypt. At least they had food there. And so Moses is like, what? And God is like, what? Like freaking out a little bit. In, Mo in Numbers chapter 11, verse 10, it says, Moses heard all the family standing in front of their tents weeping, and the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. And so Moses finds himself at this point where he's like, I don't know if I can do this, man. I don't know if I can handle these people. In verse 14 of chapter 11, he says, I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. Moses is saying, this is too much. These people are complaining too much. These trials and tribulations are too heavy. This is way too much going on. I don't think I can do this. In Numbers, the very next verse, chapter 11, verse 15, he said, I'd rather you killed me than treat me like this. Please spare me this misery. God, if Moses is going to God, he's saying, dude, kill me now if this is what it's going to be like. Like, this is too much. This is too heavy. I can't handle this. I can't handle it anymore. And so God comes back. He says, then the Lord says to Moses, summon before me 70 of the leaders of Israel and bring them to the tabernacle to stand here with you. God says, all right, listen, I got an answer for you. You're freaking out. You think this is too much. You think this is too heavy. Go grab 70 of your greatest allies and your greatest leaders and bring them into the church and, and I'll, I'll talk to you guys there. 
And in Numbers chapter 11, verse 17, he says, I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. God says, listen, I've, I've empowered you by the Holy Spirit to lead these people. And if it's too much for you, then I'm going to take some of that spirit and I'm going to give it to these other dudes so that they can help you lead as well. So until this point, how many people in the, in, 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 in the people of God, in the Hebrews, in the people of Israel, how many of them have the power of the Holy Spirit? One, Moses at this point. God rested his spirit upon Moses so that Moses could stand before Pharaoh, so that Moses could part the Red Sea, so that Moses could lead these people. And then Moses begins to crumble, and God says, okay, I got some support for you. And so the Holy Spirit goes from one person to 70 people. And it's, it's, it's really this, this crazy thing, because back then, at this point, believing in God was not synonymous with having the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of these people believed in God. They were the people of God. They were in covenant with God. They were performing sacrifices to God. They were, they were following his rules and regulations and all this stuff. You got Caleb and Joshua and Aaron and all these big biblical leaders and biblical people. But they're not, they don't have this indwelling of the Holy Spirit at this point. Only Moses had the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in Numbers chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, it says, So Moses went out and reported the Lord's word to the people. Then he gathered the 70 leaders and stationed them around the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to Moses. He took some of the spirit that was upon Moses and put it upon the 70 leaders. And they prophesied as the spirit rested upon them. Which sounds a lot like Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament. When the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they start prophesying and they start sharing the gospel and they start doing all these things, same thing happened back in Numbers 11. These 70 dudes came together and God's Spirit fell upon them. But it's almost as if God is saying, listen, Moses, you are not unilaterally in charge here, right? This is not all about you. It's the Holy Spirit in you that's leading my people. You're stressing out about life and all this stuff going around, but he's saying, listen, I got you. It's not you who's leading. It wasn't you standing before Pharaoh speaking. It wasn't you that parted the Red Sea. It wasn't you that were leading these millions of people out of captivity. It was the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is the authority over the camp and over the people of Israel. It's the Holy Spirit who did this stuff. And so it started off just Moses, and then it went to these 70, and that's it for now. All the millions of people, they didn't all catch the Holy Spirit on this stuff. They were empowered because the Holy Spirit was very, very selective in the Old Testament. And we see it all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the different leaders of uh, the Hebrew people. We see that God empowered them by the Holy Spirit to lead his people. And then we move to the era of the kings, right? If you jump over to 1 Samuel chapter 11. And we're in like 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 King, you know, Chronicles, all that stuff where they go through all the kings of, of, of the Hebrews and of God's chosen people. See, Israel wanted a king. The era of the kings was that they were, the, the people of Israel were ran by judges and by prophets and by religious people, by, by holy men and all this stuff, right? They were the ones that were sort of uh, uh, setting the stage and, and leading the people. But they saw all these other countries and all these other people groups that were led by kings and they were like, whoa, we want a king. Like, that's super cool and we want to be super cool, so we want a king. And God's like, listen, guys, you don't want a king. They're like, no, 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 we want a king. He's like, no, 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 no. They're like, yes, yes, yes. And he's like, Okay, you're an idiot, but okay. And so he gives them a king, right? And so in this king era, we see that the kings had this selective empowerment of <coughs> the Holy Spirit. The first king of the people of Israel was this dude named Saul, 
right? He was the first king of the Hebrew people. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 5, it talks about Saul. It says, Saul was plowing in the field, and when he returned to town, he asked, what's the matter? Why is everyone crying? So they told him about the message from Jabesh. So what happened was, there was another people group who were, who were uh, people of God, and they had gotten taken into captivity. And this, the people who took them into captivity were like, listen, we're going to like, kill your women and children, we're taking you over, this is the way it's going to go. You can send out for help, and then we can have this big battle, and we can, you know, battle royale and do this thing, but if you send out for help and nobody comes back to help you, too bad, so sad, we're taking you over, right? So they send out all these help, that's the message from Jabesh, and they send it out, and nobody's responding, so Saul hears this, and, 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 and hears this message, and he's like, what? No way. So in 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 6, it says, then the Spirit of God came mightily upon Saul, and he became very angry. So Saul hears this, and then the Holy Spirit empowers Saul, and what happens from there is incredible. I'm not going to go into it because it's kind of graphic, but in 1 Samuel 11, 17, you can look at it. He, like, chops up an animal and sends it out, and he's like, anybody messes with us, this is what's happening to you, right? And it's, it's a little hardcore. But ultimately, Saul unified the people of God and called them to action to defeat the Ammonites and to rescue his people because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He unified Israel under a new king because the Spirit of God fell mightily upon him. Do you see that? The Holy Spirit was very, very selective. But then Saul is an idiot, and God was like, hey, listen, you don't want a king, and this is why, because Saul was an idiot. And he kept sinning against God, kept making bad decisions, kept doing all this stuff. And so God's like, yeah, I'm going to need that spirit back, right? In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, it says... Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, because Saul was an idiot, right? Uh, it doesn't say that. That's Sam's interpretation. But in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, how many of you guys know who the next king after Saul was? It was David. David was the second king of the Israelites. It says this, so David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the olive oil he had brought and poured it on David's head, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him from that day on. So the Holy Spirit is present in the Old Testament, it's just very, very selective. And we see that through the whole era of the kings, that when a king transitions, they transition this mantle of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit jumps from one to the other. And so the Old Testament Holy Spirit was very, very selective. The second thing that I want us to look at and us to take away from this idea is that the Holy Spirit was also very temporary in the Old Testament. It was selective, and it was temporary. In 1 Samuel 16, 14, now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, at the transfer of the kingship and the transfer of the anointing, the Holy Spirit transferred as well. And so believing didn't equate to you having the Holy Spirit. And once you get the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean you get to keep the Holy Spirit. That was sort of the function in the Old Testament. It's, it's kind of crazy for us to think about in retrospect now, knowing what we know about the Spirit and knowing you know, all the stuff we're going to talk about next week in the New Testament Holy Spirit. But it's kind of interesting to think back on this and think that, man, it was super selective not everybody got to experience it, and it was temporary. I mean, if you go back to Moses, the dude we were talking about a second ago, the Egypt, put the staff, the water went up, right? Go back to Moses and his transition of leadership back in Numbers chapter 27. It talks about him raising up Joshua to take over, and it says, I need you to take him, and I need you to pray with him and transfer your authority and transfer your mantle of leadership and transfer the Holy Spirit to him so that he can effectively lead God's people. And so God tells him to transfer his authority to Moses, in, or to Joshua, in whom the Spirit will now dwell. And so it was very, very selective. It was very, very temporary. 
And I believe that the Old Testament Holy Spirit was very task-oriented. There was a purpose. There was a reason for the Holy Spirit to come mightily upon someone. God used the Holy Spirit to inspire people and to capture their hearts and to, to empower them to accomplish the things that he wanted done. I mean, you look at Moses and the 70. That was task-oriented. He didn't just give these 71 dudes the Holy Spirit. He did that because he needed his people led properly. And he needed them to stop complaining. He needed them to unify and to move forward to find the promised land. And so he had a very specific task in mind for sharing the Holy Spirit with them. In the era of the kings, right, it was very task-oriented. You're the king. You need the Holy Spirit to lead these people effectively. Here's your task. Here's your calling. You're going to do something huge. Let me anoint you to make that happen. Even Moses to Joshua. Moses, give the Holy Spirit to Joshua because now Joshua is going to lead my people and I have very specific tasks and things for him to do and to accomplish. And you see this all throughout the Holy Spirit, or all throughout the Old Testament. This is just like a snapshot of a few of the things that are more popular stories, but you see it all throughout Scripture that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is very selective, it's very temporary, and it's very task-oriented. And so you look at this and you say, okay, Sam, I, I get that, but that's not really the way that the Holy Spirit functions in the here and now with us. True. But I think for us to look at the Old Testament Holy Spirit, I believe that it reveals truth about the Holy Spirit to us. I, be I believe that it reveals part of the character and part of the relationship that we can have with the Holy Spirit. I believe that it shows us that the Holy Spirit has specific purposes. I believe that it shows us that the Holy Spirit can temporarily empower us with a great and heavy anointing to accomplish certain things. I believe that it shows us that the Holy Spirit has specific tasks and callings for us. And so, in view of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, my questions for you are what specific purposes has God placed in your life? What specific purposes has God placed in your life? What has God called you to do? And then the f obvious follow-up question is, are you fulfilling these purposes? Are you doing what you know God has called you to do? Because God has chosen you for a specific purpose. God has chosen you to accomplish something special, something incredible. And he wants to empower you to do that, but what's stopping you? These are some of the questions I want us to chew on this week. These are some of the questions I want us to chew on in the next couple of minutes. What specific purpose has God placed in your life, and are you fulfilling that purpose? And if not, why? Why not? What's holding you back? Because God has chosen you for a specific purpose. In light of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, is God calling you now to step up in a major way? Is God calling you now to step up in a major way? And are you apprehensive to do so? Maybe because of some insecurity, maybe because of what someone has told you in the past, or you don't think you're good enough or great enough or whatever. But here's the deal. If God calls you, he will empower you. Is God calling you to step up in a major way right here and right now? In light of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, are there particular tasks that God has called you to pursue? that God has called you to fulfill, that God has called you to accomplish.
But are you chasing those dreams and aspirations? Because in the Old Testament, you know, it was super specific and it was task-oriented and it was on purpose. And I believe the Holy Spirit still operates that way with us. Obviously, it's bigger and it's different. But I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to use you in a very special way. You're not here on this earth on accident. There is a purpose. There is a calling that God has given you, that God has called you to. Are you pursuing it? And if not, why? Why would you waste any time? Why wouldn't you be pursuing it right here, right now? Because if God calls you, he will empower you with the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. Does that make sense? And so over the next few minutes, the band's going to lead us in another song. And I want us to ask ourselves these questions. I want us to wrestle with this, you know? Sort of that, like, existential conversation, you know? Why am I here? What am I doing with my life? But really, are you accomplishing all that God's called you to accomplish? Are you pursuing the things that God has called you to pursue? Are you chasing after these dreams and aspirations? Because God has a purpose for you. God can empower and anoint you for huge and mighty things because God has a calling and a mission for you. And so I want us, we've, we've strategically placed another song at the end so that we can take some time to think about these things. We can take some time to evaluate and say, okay, where am I? What am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my talents, my gifts and abilities? And am I using them for what God has called me to use them for? Has God called me to step up and do something huge, but I'm too afraid, I'm too scared, I don't think I can do it in my own power, like Moses. I, I can't do this, man. It's, and we think that it's got to be on us, but what we don't realize is that if God's called you to do it, he will empower you to accomplish it. Let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.